Welcome to She's Up Next, a podcast focused on positive women's media representation and amplifying the voices of young female changemakers. We're here to have open conversations with teenage girls our age with accomplishments in activism, STEM, entrepreneurship, and more. Join us for this week's episode to catch up with what's new in our busy lives and fuel your motivation to achieve your own dreams through the inspiring stories of others like you. I'm your co-host, Jackie Acosta. And I'm Dory Miller. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Dory, and welcome back to She's Up Next. It's been a minute since we've recorded an episode, but we are finally back at it. It's definitely been a little while. I know we keep saying we're going to get back on a more consistent yeah. schedule, but guys, our lives have been quite a mess lately. I don't know if I want to say that's- a mess, but they've definitely been very hectic. Yeah, that's that's exactly the word I was going to use, hectic. Um, yeah, Jackie and I have lots to talk about today. We've kind of had an odd couple of weeks and I think everyone has at least in San Francisco there's a lot of stuff coming to the service right now all for I wouldn't yes good reason good that they're coming to the surface but for negative ways right there and kind of all at the same time yeah one right after the other I mean I know especially this last week a lot of things at school have come to the surface Mm -hmm. and we've just kind of been hit back to back to back so Tori and I have kind of been like what's going on like yeah why is this happening and all that all of those questions that come with those feelings yeah and one thing we were talking about at the beginning of the week because in the first couple days like Monday Tuesday Jackie and I were just really feeling the heavy energy that was coming with all of these instances um but as we were thinking about it we were realizing that all of this is happening for positive change um and that's that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on is that this all these things needed to happen in order for there to be some sort of change made so I know it's kind of early to do our quote of the week but I immediately, this is, I literally am looking at it right now. I have a painting of it in my room that I made myself, not to brag. It's what an artist. Not very good Such at all. But yes. Um, but the quote is, the darkest hour is just before dawn. And I love all those. I'm sure I've, I've said this before with the rainbow quote we did a mm-hmm. while back, just about finding, uh, I guess this is very similar to the rainbow quote, but I just think it's so important that there's always something good that comes after something bad it's just inevitable so I think that's going to be our focus in the next coming weeks I'm sure this is not the end of it um, but it's all happening for a good reason so I think that's been our biggest takeaway yeah just sitting with these with these experiences and just like knowing that a resolution or maybe not well we're just moving in the right direction just knowing that we are moving in the right direction that these things need to come out Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone to realize that there is an issue in the first place and that change does need to happen. Yeah. So hopefully we move forward in the next couple of weeks, but last week and the week before, definitely we, we were we were going through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, but aside from that, I think we should go into our joyful moments. Jackie, yeah. I think you should start. I don't really... 
I don't even know what mine is. I'm going to need a minute to think. So yeah, go I, mean, ahead. I feel like I talk about this every episode, but for some reason, every day we record, like the weather is amazing, right? Like, right now, oh the weather gosh. is so nice outside. So nice. Not even cold. Like it's been sunny and cold. Yeah. Today is just warm. It's kind it's of weird. beautiful. Like I'm like, I've been in anticipation of like when the fog is going to come back and it's going to be cold and like gloomy, but so far it's been like, I mean, it's definitely gotten a lot crisper outside. I can yeah. say like, like I definitely need to start yeah. wearing jackets everywhere but like it's still pretty sunny normally the sun goes away after like October even earlier September mm-hmm. October but like we're in almost halfway through November and it's still pretty sunny outside so, so crazy yeah. I definitely feel like I talk about the weather too much but that's not my joyful moment I think <laughs> uh, I just wanted to mention that because it was it's, it is a beautiful day outside mm-hmm. and I will be finding myself outside later yes um, we do but my joyful moment for this week is basketball season started for our high school, which is yes. super exciting. Um, someone is coming home. <laughs> but yeah, that was it's it's super exciting. I mean, it's this last year playing high school basketball, but mm. this our team is mostly seniors, so it's super exciting. Um, I believe there are seven of us. So we just started practice this week and we have our first scrimmage coming up um next week next saturday so a week from today and we're all looking forward to it um and yeah so that was my joyful moment for this week what about you that's so sweet um i don't know probably something relating to the play i've just been super grateful yeah we had our first dress rehearsal on thursday which was kind of rough usually we have Mm -hmm. like a whole week of dress rehearsals this time around we have two which is not how it's supposed to be but I'm sure it'll work out but anyways yesterday we had um a dress rehearsal an open dress rehearsal um that faculty could attend and none of us were made aware of this until like two days before so it was a little nerve-wracking to suddenly have an audience after not expecting to have one that soon but it actually went really well and I've just been really grateful for the chance to perform recently um it's something I love to do. And I'm just realizing how amazing I feel when I get to do it. And the thing with, with theater is that yes, you get to perform during rehearsals, but it's not the same as mm-hmm. actual shows. And there's such a limited time that you can yeah. do the actual shows with full costume, makeup, hair, lights, sets and everything. So I'm just excited for this week. And I think it'll be really fun. I'm not gonna lie. I'm getting a little bit tired of the show just because I've done it so many times and it's, it's pretty dense. Um, it's a darker show. So yeah. Yeah. But I am, I'm grateful for that. And I'm just grateful for art and music and theater in general. I've been patiently waiting for Taylor Swift's (laughs) red Taylor's version album to come out. Um, and it finally came out yesterday. Did you watch so the, been, the music video uh, yet? Yes, I was just about to get into that. I did watch it. I got home. I saw my friends play last yes. night, actually, and I got home around like 11.15. No one was home. So I went to my kitchen, turned off all the lights, and just sat there with my dog and watched it. And I felt so many things. The acting was amazing. As, like As I've been talking about how much I love acting, I was blown away by Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink that's like the most realistic depiction of a modern day couple I've ever seen 
So anyways, I have been fangirling over Taylor Swift and all of that in the past 24 hours. So yeah, just in general, like art and music and acting have been some of my joyful moments recently. I definitely need to carve out some time either today or tomorrow to watch. I know it's like 10 minutes, right? It's quite long. It's like 15 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wasn't able to get do it at night. Do it at night. Like go into a dark space and just watch it. No distractions, nothing. Don't touch your phone. Just sit through it. It's I just a cinematic masterpiece. How Taylor is like reclaiming all of her music mm-hmm. oh and my gosh, is coming so out cool. with all these Taylor's versions. And I, I just saw a video on TikTok that's saying like anything that has Taylor's version in parentheses like means that she owns it. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a lot of like controversy in the past with her manager and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad that she has like complete creative control now over her music and to see Definitely. like just I I remember her music back in like kindergarten and you what know, type of style of music she was and like who she has become it's just crazy to think about it's so amazing yeah those those have been my joyful moments I'm glad I guess. that I won't be able to see the play I'm I know for I'm those so of you that don't know I am going on retreat next week which I'm super grateful for I think yeah. I do need this time and I, I've only heard good things about um the senior retreat that mm-hmm. students at our high school get to go on so I will be going next week from Tuesday to Friday so I will unfortunately miss the play but I was able to see like like snippets of it um we had yeah. like a behind the curtain event and it looked really good so yeah. my sister's gonna have to tell me all about it when she goes but I know she's going and I think my mom might go with her oh yay um I will say one not joyful moment I have is that um a, <laughs> and that, no I'm actually I'm 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 really grateful that he did this but there's a boy in our grade who does photography and he took a bunch of photos of the play Douglas? and let's just say yes oh Yes. And he took a bunch of photos of the play and they look really cool, but I don't look good in this show. I'm supposed to be dying throughout the entire thing. So just seeing what I'm actually going to look like and realizing that people will be seeing it was a little unsettling to me just because I do look like I'm dying throughout. Even before I'm supposed to look like I'm dying, I have short black hair and I'm basically, (laughs) I look like I'm dressed it's like I'm living in a nursing home the whole time. Oh, no. It's it's a little rough, but the photos turned out beautiful. So I think that was really cool. And I'm, I'm glad he posted them. It's kind of a promotion for us, which I'm happy about. But just feeling a little bit of insecurity about how I'm going to look and having a bunch of people see it. So Well, maybe people will come to see and then your acting will just blow them away. No, that, that yeah, matter. that's what I told my friend last night. I'm like, do you know what? I'm just crossing my fingers that no one notices what I look like and solely focuses on the acting. So. <laughs> yeah, I bet that'll be the case. I don't think you have much to worry about. But I'm so glad that his photography, like, account has kind of taken off because his right? pictures are really good they're so good I know that like because I'm on yearbook this year that they're trying mm-hmm. to incorporate a lot more of his photos in the yearbook too because yeah. they are student taken and a lot of the photos in the past that they use in the yearbook are just like slick pic photos which is like done by professional mm-hmm. photographers and they're always really good but like the point of the yearbook is that it's, it's like student, student run and yeah. student like created so having him have all these like photos has been like a really good resource and it it like prevents us from like using like duplicates because I know like the yeah. slick pic photos are used like on the website or in newsletters mm-hmm. or on Instagram so like our moderators want us like to have like new pictures like not pictures that everyone sees all the time so having his pictures in there are going to be uh, really nice 
Yeah. Well, I do have to ask whenever you guys do do the photos, I would, I wouldn't mind if I could make sure which photos are being posted for the play. I know. And I, I have to check who's on um, fine arts. I know my, I don't know if it's my sister. It might be my sister. Okay. I'll have, have a little talk sister. with Jillian <laughs> yeah. when the time comes. You might have to ask her because yeah. I, I know she did it last year and I'm pretty sure she's doing it again this year, but yeah, so she's on that, but I don't think you have much to worry about. I yeah. think you'll be fine. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully not. Okay. Should we go into our funny, silly, random question? I really like this one. Yeah. Jackie, do you want to share as you found this one? I forgot which one I picked. You might oh, have to read it. I don't okay, have it. Yeah, I'll I don't read it. Okay. If you could, would you rather be able to pause, rewind, or fast forward your life? Oh, yes. I remember this one. Okay. So I got this idea from my um, religious studies teacher every every uh before class like while we take role he has like a different icebreaker and this is like one Ooh. of my favorites that he's done um why don't you go first I'm very curious to see oh, what no. you okay, say so like I was hoping you were <laughs> I don't know my answer but I can come up with one on the spot I guess let me see what did I say um I think oh I know what I said I said pause because mm. Like, I feel like I'm always moving at a hundred miles an hour and going from this thing to the next thing. And I have like a bajillion tasks to get to. Um, but I feel like if I were able to just pause my life, like I could just press pause and like, wouldn't have to worry about any of my responsibilities because nothing would be moving on without me. Like everything would just be standstill. And I could just like take a second to like take a deep breath. So that's what I would choose. I would pick pause. Okay. So this, I don't know how related to this, my question about the play 1984 last night and I don't know yes. if any the of George you Orwell, have, right? yeah. the George Orwell book. Mm-hmm. yeah so I don't know if any of you know about it but it's all about a dystopian future of a totalitarian government that's super mm-hmm. oppressive constantly watching you and they essentially go back in records and like alter the past in order to like mind control people essentially I don't know I'm probably not explaining it that well but there's a quote that they use a lot that says those who control the past control the future oh wow because they literally are taking charge of the past even if it's not real so I don't know I was thinking about that and I I'm I don't know I've always oh gosh I don't even know if that relates to my answer but I feel like it would be interesting to go back in time and see, uh, see, the thing is, I wouldn't want anything to be permanent necessarily, unless mm-hmm. I know the results. But I think it'd be really interesting. I've always, I've, I've actually always thought about this: having the ability to like go back in the past and like change little things and see how that affects the future. Essentially, just manipulating the butterfly effect and that, seeing yeah, the I've different outcomes. Looked into that, and that is crazy. Yeah. Like if you change like even the smallest of things, of how that can have an effect on like future actions and decisions like Mm -hmm. just like one single action yeah that's why I try to always use the whenever anything happens I always like to use the phrase everything happens for a reason because sometimes I'll think like oh like if I hadn't have done this and like this wouldn't happen I'm like no it happened for a reason like all of those all of these moments are accumulating to like get to somewhere else and you don't like there's a chance you don't even know what that is yet so I don't know. I feel like that would be an interesting power if it wasn't permanent. If mm-hmm. you could go back in the past, alter it, and just like for fun, just see, see what it. would be different. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm gonna have to agree with you there for the pause. Like I'm constantly thinking, like I just need everything to slow down. 
or oh gosh okay do you know what i'm not gonna talk anymore i'm just gonna go with pause but (laughs) that was my little existential crisis that you all just heard so thank you (laughs) thank you ed good night no just kidding yes (laughs) Yes. goodbye yeah that's it's, it's an interesting concept to think about like there's so many different possibilities and the question is so wide open that like you could interpret it however you want. I know we, yeah. we've heard it. I heard a, a lot of different responses from my classmates and it was very interesting at how there, how many different approaches there were. Yeah. Okay. So should we get into introducing our guest? Yes. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this yes. interview because I was completely awestruck. I was like fangirling over her, <laughs> honestly, like, I mean, Dory, honestly, she took the charge on this episode. Like, I'm not going to lie. She had some great questions that I was just like, I was just totally focused on listening to what our guest had to say. She is super, super cool. Yeah. And this is the first time we've had, okay, aside from Coach Leak, yeah. this is the only time we've had someone older than us. I mean, she's a year older than us, but that still, she goes, us. she's in college at, That's of true. course, Stanford University. So I think that is amazing in and of itself. Um, but anyways, our guest was Ananya Schreeder. She is a freshman at Stanford University, and she's the founder of Project Neptune, which is a I won't go into it too much because Ananya does a really good job of explaining it herself, Um, but it's essentially a youth-led nonprofit organization that enables children everywhere to have access to safe and healthy lead-free water. Um, That's their Instagram bio, I believe. I wanted something short and simple that didn't give away too much, but that's the overarching idea. something interesting that I don't believe she talks about in the episode, but she was the 2021 Child Health Advocate awardee. Um, so I thought that was really exciting. Um, and for some back, I'll talk about this more in the bulk of the episode, but, um, I'm friends with Shima through the, um, Bay Area Youth Climate Summit team, I guess. Um, and Shima does all the social media for Project Neptune and is close friends with Ananya. So she connected us and thought it would be really good collaboration, um, and yeah, so I'm so grateful that she did that. And Shima, actually, I haven't even told you this, Jackie, but Shima says she has lots of other people in mind for us. So oh, that is perfect. I'm excited. I was ask yes, I'm excited to hear. Um, but yeah, she, as Jackie said, she had an amazing interview with us. She is so eloquent and knows, obviously, knows her work well. Um, knows herself well, her mission, why she's doing what she's doing with Project Neptune and overall um, just like health and environmental awareness and the intersection between the two. So I think everyone's going to really enjoy this episode, whether you're interested in environmental activism, health, health, safety activism. I don't know how else to describe it. Public health. Yeah, Yeah, public health. I think I already said STEM. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think this is going to be a really good episode for all of you listening. But yeah, Jackie, do you want to add anything on? Yeah, I mean, listening to her talk, you can definitely hear her passion for what she does, mm-hmm. for the work she does. She's very passionate, very like knowledgeable about the subject. And I could just tell like listening to her speak, like how much she loves the work that she does yeah. and the impact that she has on the communities that she works with. And it's just super inspiring. And I'm super excited for all of you to listen to her speak because yeah I I know that I was definitely like like I said before like in awe 
Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's so intelligent and you can tell from the get-go um, just by the way she talks. And she's also very down to earth, very yeah, humble about I her work. And that's so much. Oh, just, it was so fun getting to talk to her and we'll definitely be sharing their accomplishments in the future. Cause I have no doubt that project Neptune is going to expand much further from here. So yeah, so I guess that probably should be enough for us. We've been going on and on. Um, but yeah, I hope you all enjoy our episode with Ananya and uh, the Neptune Project. Hi, everyone. We're here with Ananya, and we're so excited to have her on today. She's done so many amazing things with Project Neptune, um, but we wanted to let her take it away with her introduction, just describing a little bit about herself and what exactly what exactly Neptune Project is. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name's Ananya Shridhar. Um, I'm currently a freshman at Stanford University, but founded the Neptune Project when I was in seventh grade. Um, and uh, really what we do is we try to provide communities across the nation with safe, healthy, lead-free water. And we do that via an affordable litmus test that um, I designed myself and a machine learning a machine learning algorithm which pinpoints areas which are at highest risk for lead poisoning. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually able to listen to your Genius Generation podcast episode. Danny wow. Washington's one of my favorite people in climate communication. So as it was really awesome to hear about the whole story of creating Project Neptune and creating the litmus test. So I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about that today, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So to start out our episodes, we always love to do our BuzzFeed quizzes. Um, Jackie is the expert at finding really <laughs> fun ones. So Jackie, want to explain this week's? I'm not sure if it's a little early for this one, but I saw mm. and I felt that it was a little, it was fitting <laughs> um, but the quiz this week is forget elf. We'll give you an underrated Christmas movie to watch based on the holiday home you build. I thought that was kind of random and interesting and yeah. perfect for this week. Um, uh, do you want to share <laughs> yeah. yours? Cause I'm looking at it right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So I looked in Jackie's was a little bit more normal. Um, but mine was DreamWorks holiday classics and it's a photo of um, the characters from Madagascar and a Christmas sled. <laughs> Honestly, I've probably seen it. I don't know how much I remember right now, um, but the description just says, no matter how old you are, this is worth watching. So I guess maybe this has to be my first Christmas movie of the season. I don't know if I'm going to watch it yet. It, I have to say it might be a little too early, but well, the weather outside is kind of suggesting yes. that it's time. So yeah. And it's getting know. darker and oh, yes. Anani, do you want to share yours? Yeah. I can sure. Along. So I ended up getting Santa Paws too, which I haven't seen, but the thumbnail looks absolutely adorable. It was two very cute puppies. So I don't know. I might have to check that out. I've seen Santa Paws one and I do remember <laughs> loving it. It's a, it's a very faint memory. I, I just had a flashback of watching it in Tahoe. <laughs> so that's random, but I don't think I've seen two. So I might have to check, check that out. Is as it well. like a similar format to like, what is that one called? Uh, it's Beverly like really Hills Chihuahuas. Mm, probably. I think same creator. It's, it's Disney, I think, but you know, there's like, oh, I forget what it's called. Air Buddies. Yes. It's that's that. It's that. Air Buddies. And there's another pause. I think there's like a spooky pause. That's oh. probably not the name, but there's a Halloween one that I remember loving. So very good. Oh, you're like one. area I mean, of, of mine films. was Christmas with the cranks. I had no idea what this movie was. So I had to look it up. And I mean, it's this kind of a star-studded cast. It has yeah. um, 
Tim Allen <laughs> and Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So mm-hmm. maybe I will watch this one this this season, Christmas season. But yeah. I feel like I have seen this, but I was kind of surprised that Tim Allen is in it because yeah. he's known for Santa Claus. Santa and that's Claus. that's my personal favorite movie. So I'm surprised that he was in another like relatively known Christmas mm-hmm. movie. But I guess he's just a Christmas that's guy. An underrated Christmas yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think Ananya already did a good job at explaining what the Neptune Project is. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do now with the project? Totally. So, you know, like I said, I've been working on this for about five years now. So um, a lot of the beginning was a lot of prototyping, a lot of making sure our technology works, improving the technology, putting it together. And now we're really at the stage where we're all about implementation and scaling. We have identified zip codes throughout the country that are um, susceptible to lead poisoning with our model and it's now all about how do we recruit volunteers in all those different places Mm -hmm. to actually go out collect water samples um, get them tested in a lab and then um, if they come back positive for lead how do we go about raising the funds and um, getting involved in those communities to make sure those local governments are replacing those pipes so we're definitely in that period of shifting from technology focusing to implementation, getting volunteers, just mobilizing people to get things done. That's awesome. Honestly, I had no idea. I guess from what I've read, I did know that you started in seventh grade, but it's crazy to think that it's been so long and you're like moving into different phases of the project. So, and just out of curiosity, what are you studying at Stanford? Um, so I am currently a freshman. We don't have to declare until the end of oh, that's right. Yeah. Year. yeah. But um, I am thinking of studying mechanical engineering, so I'm taking okay. all those uh, all those STEM courses and everything. Um, and yeah, I've always known that I wanted to that I was just really fascinated by technology and how it works. Not mm-hmm. not just because it's cool, but because we use it to solve problems. And people throughout history have used technology to solve problems. So I always knew that I wanted to be someone who's leveraging science to benefit society. And so I think whatever I end up choosing the major in, that's going to be my ultimate goal um, in learning that discipline to figure out how do I implement what I'm learning in the classroom to solve problems outside of the classroom. That's awesome. That's a really great explanation of your passion. Um, So next, we wanted to know what your first introduction to the presence of water contamination in the United States was, um, and just overall, like, how did you get into this and wanting to find a solution? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was in seventh grade, uh, there was a huge story in the news called the Flint water crisis, mm-hmm. which you may remember, you may not remember, depending how, yeah. on how old you are listening to this, yeah. but Flint, Michigan was a huge scandal in this suburb of Detroit. And it happened because they had switched the water source of this, of this town um, in order to accommodate um, GM, which is like one of the biggest companies based in Detroit that makes makes cars and when they switched that water source um they ended up having corrosive acidic water that corroded down pipes um and those pipes were lead so when you have acidic water run through these pipes um it basically corrodes the lead off the pipes and the lead gets um embedded into the water and so you had these kids who were drinking this lead poisoned water and they ended up having really terrible medical consequences, really bad brain damage and everything. Um, And it became a huge scandal because um, 
citizens were complaining for months and months and the local government did nothing and these people yeah. suffered suffered so much unnecessarily um and that was that was a case that got a lot of attention in the press but the reality is and I, I learned this after that because i was just so compelled by it and i learned that the reality is in most cases it doesn't get that kind of attention because there's no awareness around it and mm -hmm. in flint it was an anomaly because they switched the whole water source there were other signs of uh, the water being contaminated in different ways so you had green rings and sinks you had um all this weird stuff happening people are saying weird stuff in their bathtubs but in a normal case of lead poisoning you don't see any of that because because of the chemical properties of lead there's no odor or color that comes through in water and so in a lot of these cases and there are almost four million households in the u.s according to the cdc where children are exposed to unsafe levels of lead you don't have any signs for it unless you go test for it and communities don't have access to tests and so that's where the necessity of the Neptune project was really born out of saying, how do we find an affordable way to help communities that are at risk test for lead? And that's when I started developing the litmus test a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was, that was a really great explanation. Um, what exactly was that process like of creating the litmus test or how did you get to the point of knowing that this was the solution you wanted to tackle? Yeah. So I think it's kind of similar to when you guys asked me like what I wanted to study in college. It, mm -hmm. it was a similar situation. I was taking just, you know, your basic middle school chemistry in seventh <laughs> grade and we learned about litmus tests. So if you don't know what that is, it's basically a piece of paper that turns either red or blue when mm -hmm. you dip it in water, depending on the pH level of the water. Um, so it'll turn red if it's acidic, blue if it's basic. And um, you know, I was learning that in seventh grade and I had a commute to school and my parents would always put on NPR and that's when I heard about Flint. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I was just, I was, I had these two things going on in my head and I immediately, and you know, I immediately thought, could we make a litmus test that works in the same way for lead? Because that's easy, that's so easy to use. It's a color change, mm -hmm. it would be cheap to make compared to a traditional lab test. And so that's how the idea was born. Um, and so I went to my chemistry teacher who has been an incredible mentor of mine for like years now. Um, and I said, hey, I have this idea, like, what do you think? And she was so supportive and she said, yeah, like let's figure it out. So I did some research and what I found was there's this chemical called sodium redizinate that was used a lot in forensic science because a lot of bullets used to have lead in them. So forensic scientists oh. would use it to find residue of lead bullets on walls, on surfaces, wherever, where they think a, a gun was fired. Um, and it hadn't been adapted to a water test yet. So the process was basically brute force trial and error. It was just tinkering <laughs> in the lab. Um, I got my teacher to help me order all these chemicals and I just spent time it was often during the lunch and recess period, after school, like on the weekends, just like coming in and working in the lab, dissolving, um, just trying to get this chemical onto a filter paper with different concentrations, different mixers. So what we ended up using was acetic acid brings out um, the reaction of sodium redesonate really well. Um, and we were eventually able to 
developed this piece of paper that turns it turns purple when in contact with lead ions um and it, it took a very long time to reduce to increase the sensitivity of the test um and we got it eventually down to 100 parts per billion which is pretty sensitive for a homemade and such an affordable test mm -hmm. um and it definitely took a lot of trial and error to get there a lot of the samples just didn't work. We had to think, what are other home methods we can use? Can we have people microwave their water samples so that the concentration of the lead in the sample goes up and then do the litmus test? So lots of just creativity. You know, when you're doing something that that hasn't necessarily been done before, you know, there are kind of no wrong answers. It's just all about yeah. try, try something new and see what happens and be open to the failure you're gonna get because it failed to work so many times. Um, but eventually, eventually you can get something really cool. I'm sure that process required a lot of patience um, given how you literally started from scratch. That's such a cool story of the creation of the project. And I also think it's really great that you had such a supportive mentor um, throughout the process. Is she still yeah. part of the Neptune project at all? Um, she's still an advisor. I, mm -hmm. I cite her as like an, an advisor to the Neptune project. Um, always keep in contact with her whenever I have any news about the Neptune project. And um, yeah, she is really such an incredible mentor to me and yeah none of this would have happened without her her willingness to spend that extra time with me um you know during lunch during her lunch break as well during like after school um you know she helped she was the one who helped me even order all the chemicals because obviously a 12 year old has no authority <laughs> to do that um so yeah i think searching for mentors is really an integral part of being able to start a project like that because uh, when you find someone that believes in you and that you can learn from more importantly um it just it makes you a better learner a better problem solver everything like that yeah that's like one of our goals with this podcast is mm -hmm. finding a group or groups of girls that younger people can look up to and refer to when pursuing passions um, and I think you're a great example of that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that's such a rewarding experience for your teacher to see someone like you actually applying what they're learning into the classroom into a context that's benefiting a greater good. So I think that's a really cool story. Have you worked with any of your teachers at Stanford with on the project or discussed it with them at all? Or have you focused mostly on independent work? Um, so I think there's there's definitely a lot of overlap. Um, mm -hmm. um, given there are so many opportunities for public service, there are a ton of student groups um, whose uh, missions kind of align with ours that we've been in touch with. And in addition, um, there are so I've worked with a few professors uh, in communities that were actually looking to remediate their water. Oh, so we wow. did some projects in Arizona um, where I was in touch with professors from the University of Arizona, which can be really cool because they're experts on that particular um, geography, um, which obviously impacts how the water behaves in a particular geography. Um, so I, I, I think, yeah, definitely at Stanford, I've, I've worked with people I'm hoping to work with more AI experts who can help me like refine the machine learning model and make it more accurate. But I'd say beyond that, um, don't limit yourself for, for anyone listening that's working on a project similar, like don't limit yourself to just 
those resources that are right in front of you, like feel free to reach out to absolutely anyone. And you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is they won't respond or they tell you no, but what have you lost from that? So, you know, I was reaching out to people in all these different states, whatever. Um, and, you know, I got responses and so many of them were actually able to help me. So I'd say, yeah, just go for it anywhere. And they're I think if you do research and find mentors who are going to be applicable to what you're doing, you can accomplish so much and save yourself a lot of trouble by getting their expertise. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the specific health consequences of high lead poisoning maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So there is a direct correlation between how bad the health consequences are and how young you are for lead poisoning. Um, which is what I think just makes it such a such a tragedy that we have so much youth lead poisoning in this country. Um, because these are kids that have high potential and it's being stunted by something that's completely preventable. Um, and so along with that, there is also direct correlation to if you measure how much, uh, a lot of the times how we measure lead in children is we draw blood from them. So if you measure, um, how much lead is in their blood, there's a direct correlation to how high up that goes, your IQ will go down. So those two things are inversely correlated. Um, And I mean, IQ decrease just from an economic standpoint has been shown to lead to, you know, you not being able to provide for yourself in the future. Um, So it's that you become a burden on your family because of healthcare costs. Um, the chron- you know, chronic illness just burdens our, our healthcare system as well as stunts children from being what they can be. And so what I like to say is when we invest in reducing lead hazards, we are investing in our next generation um, because you know, these can be kids that are growing up and changing the world in their own ways. Um, mm-hmm. And we're taking that away from them by not investing in safe uh, plumbing fixtures. Um, and then I, one other really impactful statistic that I like to cite a lot is from the World Health Organization that says for every dollar, for every U.S. dollar we put towards reducing lead hazards, we get 20 back. And that's a huge cost benefit ratio. It's actually bigger than vaccines. Um, wow. And so, oh you know, it's, it's just a no brainer that um, the health consequences are absolutely devastating and there's no reason there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing everything in our power to prevent them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I think it's just such an inspirational story of how like you got to creating this project and why you care about it. Um, Overall, what do you think is the biggest thing that Neptune Project has accomplished throughout your many years of developing it? That's a great question. I'd say, you know, we're hoping to scale out much bigger mm-hmm. over the next few months and upcoming years, but there have been a few instances where we've I've gotten to work really closely one-on-one with families in impacted areas and, you know, via money that we fundraised, buy them lead tests or buy them water testing services and be able to work with them and, you know, install filters where necessary and it's I think that's just something really rewarding because at the end of the day that the technology is how 
but the why why we why we do what we do is is for the people and i've heard from a lot of these families like I, i'll never forget there was this one family it was a mom and her son who was a freshman in high school that reached out to me and they said you're the first person who has cared when we say that our water you know our we feel like our water isn't safe you're the first person that's actually reached out and tried to help um when we've said help was needed and that is incredibly rewarding i mean that is why i started this project because i heard about flint and i i thought it was really unfair and i wanted to um help as many families so that they wouldn't have to go through the same thing um and i think that's just incredibly rewarding um and i'm hoping as we grow there are going to be countless stories of, of families like that um and so it makes me really optimistic for the future yeah that's a really beautiful story i and generally just feel like of all the environmental concerns there are like with climate change and all the other issues there are i feel like water health and or health and water are not always amplified as much as other issues and mm -hmm. that's why the issues in um, Flint, Michigan were so so covered in the media is because not a lot of people had heard about that. And even still, yeah. that's one of the very few places that have received that media coverage because we tend to not hear about this. So I, I think that's, as I said, that story is so beautiful because truly I'm sure this was the first time so many families felt like they were heard and felt like someone actually cared about them, so. Yeah, and you know what? That's a really awesome point you make just about mm -hmm. the plethora of, of climate issues there are. And yeah. one thing I'll say about that is from working with a lot of data to um, try and pinpoint these lead hotspots, what I've discovered is that the technology we have is so incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, and it can, it can the, the amazing thing about growing up in this in this time is that we have access to all these resources. I basically started, I started coding the Neptune model from no coding experience. And I was able to do it because we have the internet out there that, yeah. that just helps you so much. And we have all these huge data sets. All the data sets I used are publicly available. Anybody can get them who has a computer. Um, so, you know, that kind of approach to using data to pinpoint these areas, can be used for so many different things, right? Not just lead poisoning. Um, so I think thinking with that broad scope of, you know, water health is one section of environmental justice we need to be approaching is super powerful because we can use a lot of, you know, they all are issues that are intertwined with each other and we can use discoveries from one section to make progress in the other. So I think that's a that's a such a good point, Dory, about about how they're all related and that we need to be paying attention to everything because that's the most effective way to make overall change. Yeah, exactly. I liked what you said too about um environmental justice issues being so intersectional. Like I was just learning about um, how sea level rise is affecting um, communities in the Bay Area that aren't even near the coast, like in Oakland. Mm. Um, it's causing toxic um, chemicals underground to start rising into houses. And again, Oakland is not near the coast, but all these houses um, with basements and crawl spaces are, start, are going to start having um, toxic chemicals coming up. And that's another area where 
people have, they're creating different um, well monitoring systems to um, check to see if the water has those chemicals. So it's just crazy to think about, again, how interconnected all of this is. Um, and yeah, and lead poisoning is just one aspect of it. So there's lots that needs to be done, but yeah, uh, the internet gives us so many possibilities into finding solutions for all these issues. So I think it's really cool that you've been able to find all this just on the internet alone. Yeah. And for anybody who may be like interested in, in doing a similar project with, with data science and another issue, um, I, I would just say um, there's so much you can read about and there are a lot of startups that are doing kind of similar things. And that's actually a lot of where I got my inspiration. So I ended up getting to work for two summers during high school with a company called One Concern. And they're a startup that basically builds these machine learning algorithms, very, very similar to the one I built, um, a, a little more advanced, obviously, because they've got a whole team yeah. of engineers going for it. Um, but what they do is they build models to sell to cities that um, basically it simulates different types of natural disasters. So earthquakes, flooding, fires. If you're local to the Bay Area like we are, these are things you know have a massive impact um, in our displacing families and making it really difficult. Um, so what they do is they'll simulate that in a given city and then they're able to formulate a plan um, which mitigates damages. So they, and they, and they can give that to first responders who are responding to the natural disaster. So what they do is they'll they'll um, sell that to the city and then the city will be able to show their first responders, hey, go to this building first because it's at the highest risk to fall during the earthquake because of where it's placed. Then go to this one, this one, this one. And by doing that, they're, e they're able to save more lives than they would by just guessing where to go. Um, yeah. So it's a really cool kind of application of that kind of thing. And that's actually... I, I was able to work with a lot of the engineers there who helped me, you know, helped me build my model too. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. And just if you're interested in a project, I would say it's it's so helpful to go find similar things that other people have done, because even if it's yeah. not exactly the same, and in my case, it wasn't exactly the same, you can learn a lot from um, what they've done, their past successes and failures. You can learn a lot from that and uh reach out to them and make a lot of progress. So it's, it's so many people are doing amazing things. Just try to learn everything you can absorb all the knowledge you can. Do you think this is something you'll continue as a career? I mean, specifically Neptune project, are you hoping to continue this work or expand on it? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I am certain that I will be continuing it uh, at least for the next few years through college. Um, mm -hmm. I want to, I definitely want to get to a point where we've capitalized on all the progress the model has made and gone to all these communities and remediated them. I can also see it going in the direction where, you know, we push a little bit more on the legislative side and saying, um, you know, so, you know, the, the current, the current uh, regulation in place is that you can't build anything with lead pipes, obviously, but mm -hmm. the problem with that ban, which was instituted in 1978, is that it isn't retroactive. Um, so all these buildings that were built before then, which is right. so many, are still, you know, potentially, potentially include lead plumbing hazards. Um, so, you know, I can see it going to the point where, you know, we're lobbying to implement mandatory lead testing um, and replace pipes, even though it's really expensive. Like I said, that money is worth spending because it comes back. 
um, in the next generation's economic productivity. Um, so I see that as a path for it ending. Um, and I think, I think overall, I know with my career, like I said, I, I want to do similar projects where, you know, you're leveraging technology to solve problems that need to be solved. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to take me, but I, I definitely, I definitely think the whole the whole uh, mission and the approach on the Neptune project is something I want to keep throughout my career because I, I, I've always found the mission-based innovation super rewarding. Yeah. Um, circling back to what you're saying about the legislative aspect uh, that you hope to accomplish with Neptune project, I was going to bring that up earlier when you're talking about the process of creating in general, but I, I totally think that you could do a lot with the data you have and um, everything you've done regarding lead contamination, I think is a really powerful thing to bring into the political sphere. Um, being that despite how much media coverage there has been in places like Flint, Michigan, very little has changed. I was just yeah. reading an article about what it's like recently and not much is different than it was when it was first um, so highly publicized. So I think that's definitely a really great step for you guys to take. Yeah, absolutely. Awareness is awareness is huge. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think that's that what that makes what you guys are doing so amazing because it's so important not just to be developing the technical solutions, but to actually get get the message out there and be communicating to people. So props to you guys. <laughs> thank sure. you. Well, we need people like you in order for <laughs> us to do this. So thank you as well. Um, and so to wrap things up a little bit, um, this pertains especially to our podcast and what we do. Why do you think representation of women in STEM and activism, all the things that you do, is so important for younger generations to see? And was there anyone you looked up to um, in the STEM field when you were younger that's brought you to where you are now? Yeah, um, for sure. I think, you know, I think we're always making progress in terms of the gender gap in STEM, but we still have a ways to go. I see it. I see it every day when I walk into my <laughs> physics class and I'm oh my uh, gosh. very, very outnumbered there. But, you know, it it gives me a lot of hope that even when that's the case, you know, I've never felt singled out um, or felt like I was unwelcome somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks a lot that I've been I've been lucky to grow up in an environment of such tolerant and encouraging people. But, um, you know, for me, the person I always look to as an inspiration actually wasn't female it was it was my my dad who you know also has spent his life um you know was a mechanical engineer got his phd in that and then went to you know starting a startup that was implementing that towards you know a cause for sustainability so he does clean energy um and he was really my inspiration and i think you know even though i wasn't necessarily always looking to female scientists it was more in the fact that gender just played absolutely no role in what I would do or what I wanted to do. And I think that's so powerful. And I really hope that all, all, all girls in the future have the opportunity to grow up that way, where they don't even perceive the fact that their gender could possibly be a barrier, because I was lucky enough to grow up um, with that kind of attitude. And, you know, it wasn't even something I became aware of until I, I realized, wow, we, we, women are underrepresented in STEM. Um, and so I think it's huge for people who 
may traditionally, you know, not not be exposed to STEM to know that there are people out there doing that. Um, and I would say to them, you know, treat treat yourself and everyone you encounter as if as if they're anybody. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what you are, what others perceive you as. All it takes is you believing in yourself and seeking out the people to surround yourself with that perceive you the same way um, as just a person who can create change. And, um, you know, I think, I think looking at history and we see a lot of these female scientists who are often, who, who have been historically left out of big discoveries, um, I think it's really important to learn about that too and just take it as a take it as a lesson that um to definitely assert be assertive when it's necessary and um just yeah I'd say don't let anything get in your way um your own perception of what gender roles are or other people's perception of it because there are so many people out there that will support you for purely your your intellect your passion um all of that so I, I think it's just important that we that we work towards the point where gender doesn't even become an objective which is kind of how I have always grown up thinking about it but I think I think the way we do that is just by by making it clear that um by making it clear that discrimination isn't something that will be tolerated and I think we're making big steps towards that um which makes me hopeful yeah, I think that's a very interesting perspective you bring up of like gender not being a barrier for someone to pursue a career in STEM because I feel like sometimes girls might view the, the the gender gap that does exist as as a barrier and put this pressure on themselves that they need mm-hmm. to succeed and do well in order to like I don't know have a victory yeah. for women but yeah instead we should look at it as there's just a community of women who will work to support you and work to bridge the divide, yes, but also just work in STEM and pursue mm-hmm. things that they're interested in. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I know it's, you know, there's some statistics that see some really interesting stuff. So like women pursuing STEM majors and, you know, STEM majors in college are, are very demanding and it's very, the classes are difficult. You know, even if you're a straight A student throughout high school, you're likely to get a B or a C at some point, not because you're not capable, because it's it's demanding. And there's statistics that show, you know, when women get those Bs or Cs, they're they're a lot more likely to say, wow, I'm not cut out for this and mm-hmm. switch their major, whereas men will just kind of keep going. And so I think it's super important to provide that reinforcement for women who want to pursue a STEM major that it's totally fine to fail a few times. Like <laughs> you're, you're learning from it and you're going to pick yourself back up and, you know, give yourself the opportunity to fail, give yourself the room to fail and reframe it. Instead of you let someone down, you let yourself down, reframe it as you challenge yourself, you pushed yourself, you're going to learn your, your grades don't define you at all and keep pushing forward. (laughs) Don't, if you're passionate about it, that's it. That's it. So I think it's really important that we get that message out to young women in STEM and, and say, you know, don't, don't be scared to fail. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be um, perfect to make up for the fact that you're, you know, 
maybe a minority in the field. Just, mm-hmm. just keep at it. That's also such an interesting perspective. I would have not thought about that. Like personally, I get discouraged the Same. minute I <laughs> do poorly. I'm yeah, on. absolutely. And <laughs> I'm exactly. definitely, I definitely experience the same thing. <laughs> so it's, I think it's really important to hear, to hear that for, for all of us, because I think, I think often just typically, you know, we're told the messaging towards girls it, throughout everything is more like, you know, failure is taking a little harder, whereas, you know, men are told, you know, mm-hmm. suck it up. So I think yeah. it's important to just completely break through that and say, no, like, look, we all fall down sometimes. It doesn't matter that you fell. It matters that you're going to get back up and keep at it and don't quit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're almost like, yes, we still need more representation of women in STEM, but now we're almost in this phase of not representation, but reinforcement that hmm. they're capable of this. And that, again, it's where it's not the situation where you fail and you don't succeed. You're not going to try again. It's just continuing to try and to keep with it. Um, but yeah, I feel like that that's still it still plays into representation, but definitely just reinforcing that this work is meant for anyone. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. That kind of wraps up this episode. Um, we just, we wanted to link your social media. I know it's, um, at water by Neptune for your, I'm friends with Shima through the, um, Bay area youth climate summit. She's your social media manager. She connected us. Um, so, and I, you guys have a great social media page. I was stalking it a bit last <laughs> night. It's very informative. Um, but yeah, do you have any other social media or website yeah. pages you want to link? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is waterbyneptune.com and there's a button there if you've been inspired by hearing about Neptune and you want to get involved, we have a volunteer sign up on there. So click on that or feel free to learn more. And then all of our socials are linked there, Facebook, Twitter, etc., uh LinkedIn, all of that. So, yeah, check it out and um Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was so fun to get to talk with you too. Of course. Of course. We yes. So thank happy you. To sit down with us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We we've been wanting an episode that talks about stuff like this, and I think you did a really great job of just talking about environmental justice, health injustice, um, and also entrepreneurship and your experience in STEM. So. Thank you so much. This was a great episode and we're really, really happy we got to just sit down and talk with you about all this. Same here. Thank you guys. (laughs) Of course.